Hey, it's Joe. Before we start the show, I just wanted to ask real quick for you, if you haven't already, to rate or review the show in iTunes. It's so quick and easy to do, and it really helps the show to gain some traction in the iTunes store and for new listeners to find it. Uh, Some of you have done this already. I see, uh, let's see, uh, nine five-star ratings, which is just amazing to me. Thank you. Um, My new goal, 30. I want to try and get 30 ratings. Um, They don't have to all be five stars, although I would love it. Um, Just whatever you think captures the essence of the quality of the show. So if you haven't already, take like three minutes and rate the show. Um, Or five minutes, write a little review of it as well. I see six reviews, which are all positive. Um, I'm not even focusing on that right now. Just 30 ratings. Um, Okay, let's start the show. Over here, gentlemen. I, I have a table here for us. Afternoon, start. I'm Joe Strachey, and I better start writing this down. Episode 4 Miniature Boxes of Cereal. In the basement of my grandparents' house, there was a bookshelf on the wall to the left. Books about the history of the mob lined the shelves. These were my father's parents. In that house, nobody spoke about the past, and by extension, neither did my father. Fragments of this moratorium has crept into my fiction. I once asked how it was that my grandfather, who was born in 1910, had managed not to serve in any of the major world conflicts that occurred during his lifetime. I got no response. My grandfather had been married once prior to my grandmother and had two children from the marriage. My father's stepbrother and stepsister I didn't find out about this until my grandfather died and the children, who just looked like ordinary old people to me, appeared at the wake and at the funeral. But like all leaky ships, the past sometimes found its way in, found its way, found its way, found its way, found its way. I heard one story in particular every once in a while about how my father lived in Florida for a year when he was a child, and that for that year, he lived in a hotel. This was particularly incredible to me. A, because at that point, Florida might as well have been a different country. I didn't fly on an airplane until I was 19. And B, he lived in a hotel, the purgatory of childhood a waking life that I seldom experienced. But when I did, I marveled, even at that age, future creator of creative nonfiction podcast, that we were existing, technically, but not really. We never really went on vacations when I was a kid. We visited relatives in Massachusetts, but save for a family trip to Washington, D.C., 
It was an extravagance that we couldn't afford. I have three specific memories about the Florida hotel story. One, for breakfast every day, my father got to eat a miniature box of cereal, Frosted Flakes specifically. He explained how he would open the cardboard down the middle, pour the milk on top, and eat the cereal right out of the box. Two, the one picture that I maybe saw from that time. Maybe, maybe, maybe. This is one of those revised truths I spoke about in episode one. I've lost my ability to differentiate what I saw from what I've told myself for so long that I saw. My grandmother, in era-appropriate sunglasses, with an era-appropriate hairdo, sitting poolside at a table, with my father, a boy, sitting on her lap. 3. My father always told the story with a cat that swallowed the canary grin on his face that I never understood. A grin that seemed to suggest that he was lying, or at the very least, leaving something out. It turns out that he was. It turns out that it turns he was. Out that he was. together until later in life. And this isn't some grand uncovering of a secret family history that you're listening to. I'm only guessing. But there's a capital F family connection in my history. If you care enough, you can Google my name and find it on your own. And in that capital F family world, a sudden trip to Florida with your lowercase f family to live in a hotel for a year usually means only one thing, that you're waiting for some kind of trouble to blow over. Combined with what you may or may not have Googled, combined with the particular choice of literature in my grandparents' basement, combined with the whispers I've heard over the years, and well, you can start to see where the moratorium on talking and or asking about things that are none of your business came from. When I was a child, my father rarely dipped his toe into the housework waters. When I learned of the notion of the second shift during college, it was quite familiar to me. My mother had done it for 20 years. On the rare occasion that he did help out, it was usually by doing the week's food shopping. I always made sure to tag along, because him doing the food shopping meant that I would get to buy the variety pack of miniature boxes of cereal. It was a shrink-wrapped rectangle of all of the sugary cereals that my mother would never allow me to buy. 
Cereal to my mother meant Cheerios or kicks. Kid tested, mother approved. Or maybe even Raisin Bran. And once we were home, I was only allowed to have one box open at a time. And when I did open it, I had to make sure that I only tore the plastic bag open halfway. Otherwise, we risked the cereal going stale. Kid tested, kid tested, My mother absolutely hated when my father brought home the shrink-wrapped rectangle of miniature boxes of cereal. On a functional level, she complained that I always made a mess when I tried to eat it from the box, like he had done as a child in Florida. And she was right. I did. And if I'm being totally honest, I thought it was kind of gross, the flavor of the cardboard soaking up into the milk. But like all little boys, I did it because my father seemed to think that it was a neat trick. But on a debatably more important emotional level, it was just another time that he got to play Robin Hood to her prison warden. She was in charge of getting me out of bed and to school on time in the morning, in charge of getting my homework done, in charge of buying me bland, relatively healthy cereal, and not allowing me to eat it right out of the box. He got to swoop in and provide packs of baseball cards and sports equipment and miniature boxes of snacks and corn pops and frosted flakes and fruity pebbles all of which I would eat in the way that mimicked his exciting tales of a childhood spent in a hotel for a year in the exotic land of Florida. I go shopping with my daughter, I see those same shrink-wrapped rectangles of miniature boxes of sugary cereals, the ones my mother would never allow me to buy, and they remind me of my father, but that's it. There's no depth to the feeling. There's nothing historical to pin it on, no deeper resonance, only the shallow grave of the item itself and what they once represented. It was work to pull it all together here. Florida, the mob, my family tree, all blank pieces in a puzzle that will never truly fit together. And because all things progress in tiny increments while remaining largely the same, I buy my daughter the relatively healthy cereals and still worry about the things that are in them. Sometimes I buy the newer, supposedly even healthier brands, but if you look, beyond the razzle-dazzle names of ancient grains, they just use real sugar instead of fake. 
I buy and open more than one box at a time, even brag to my wife about it, but I still insist on only tearing the plastic bag open halfway. There's no getting around it. It just makes sense. I don't want my daughter to ever have to wonder about my past. I want her to be able to connect the dots. I don't want her image of me to contain any unresolved questions. She won't be able to meet my father or my grandparents, but I will still tell her about them. She will not learn much about them, but she will still be able to learn from them. And when she's in the supermarket with her child one day, whatever a supermarket looks like by then, considering the even healthier cereal of her day, she will be able to tell a story that is full and complete and not have to cut it off like this. For more information about I Better Start Writing This Down, visit ibetterstart.net. If you want to support the show, pledge a dollar or two at patreon.com forward slash I better start. At the moment, I've got five Patreon supporters, which I think is just amazing. What would be even more amazing is if I doubled that. I'm not asking for much, literally a dollar or two a month. And even if you're not interested in that level of support, even if you just mention Patreon to a friend or two, you'd really be helping me out. I Better Start Writing This Down is sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash I Better Start, you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial and help to support the show all at the same time. How great is that? Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from. One title that I think IBS WTD listeners would enjoy is The Godfather by Mario Puzo. We've all seen the movie, sure, but have you read the book? To download The Godfather for free, go to audibletrial.com forward slash I better start. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash I better start to help support the show and in return receive a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial. As always, there are two new mementos for this episode. Memento number one is The Godfather, the Francis Ford Coppola Restoration Blu-ray. Memento number two is There Will Be Blood, the Blu-ray of the 2007 Paul Thomas Anderson film. I can't think of three better films to watch over the course of, say, a weekend, so get your partner's approval and help support I Better Start Writing This Down at the same time. Remember, to support the show by purchasing the mementos, you have to use the memento URLs, which you can find on ibetterstart.net, as well as in this episode's show notes, if your podcast app supports that feature. I Better Start Writing This Down has a sturdy social media presence. Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, we're everywhere. All you need to remember, our username in all of those spaces, I Better Start. That's it. 
hopefully you wrote it down. What about mama? Do you love mama? Papa. Oh, you love dad, dad? Mama. You love mama too? 